AC on CW contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. on CW, the Legends of Tomorrow edition. I am Michael Flores, your host, and I am in the studio today, traveling back in time into the 80s with Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, hello. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 4, titled Phone Home, directed by Kevin Mock, written by Matthew Mala. The synopsis, the Legends go back to 1988 to save Ray when they realize he'll die because of their breaking time. All right, lots to get into this week. A lot of personal moments. This week we get intimate with Ray, very intimate. Because this week's episode was definitely a Ray Palmer-eccentric episode. They added to his growth and development. And uh, what a nerd! Yeah, <laughs> he was a nerd, and it's a very—he's a very sad, sad man. And it made me very—I actually got sad. I was like, this is really, really depressing. I felt like we shouldn't be watching it. it yes. It, uh, when they're doing like that backpack thing and you're just like, they're not playing with you, guy. Like nobody told you this at any time that these guys are assholes. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt like the rest of the Legends crew probably felt where they wanted to kind of turn off the earpieces. Like, I don't think we should be privy to this. This is very <laughs> private. It's just like, yeah, cause especially if you're, you know, you've grown up into being a yeah. handsome, strapping, right. smart man. Look at you. you. You're definitely a Ray Palmer guy, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, he is pretty strapping, not going to lie. I Isn't mean, that- he went from uh, zero to hero very fast. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So the writers just love to dump all over these poor saps. And we said this a couple weeks ago. This is very different, however. I think the first, the season premiere and the second episode really just kind of drove it home that they're kind of buffoons and they messed up the timelines. Um, however, this episode's a little different. Yes, they're driving home the point that these are some individuals with some very deep emotional issues that kind of strike at the very core of their of their confidence level, like insecurity. That's the best word for it. Yeah. And that's something that they took us into the private personal life of Ray. And we saw an inside look into his struggles as a, as a very young individual, young, young boy, I should say. And um, how things weren't as happy as he might've made himself believe they were in your head. How did you picture him growing up? I just figured he was from a, a blue collared family, you know, white 
mother, of course, white dad, <laughs> well-to-do, intelligent family, good jobs. White privilege, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> oh, stupid. I, I always pictured him as like, you know, as being somewhat of an athlete myself. I always look at like bigger dudes like that. Kind of yeah. like Thomas. Right. I always look at Thomas. I'm like, dude, with your size and like my athletic ability, I'd probably be fucking dominating right. the world. Yeah. I thought Ray the was world like, and women. Yes. But in a good way. In a good way. Yes. In a good way. But I, I thought Ray was going to be like that, that he was just like that dude that like was born with that, that natural size. Right. And they made him to look out like a little fucking dweeb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, they did change my, my perception of Ray, but it fits when you really start analyzing who he is as a person and what we've seen throughout the last three years. This actually makes sense. Well, especially if you want to throw it back to the, the premiere episode where he was a pushover. Yes, to the, absolutely. the the you know the dating app guy right you know and you're thinking to myself look at you you are you know this smart man you should be yelling at this guy going dude you don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah and okay well obviously now i can see you've been pushed around since you were you know right out of the womb yeah same thing when you look at his debut in on arrow i mean he was dating felicity he had the girl and he lost the girl to another guy <laughs> to a frat dude yeah essentially to the guy pushing him around right when he was a little kid yeah so that's why even though it changed my perception of him a bit i wasn't upset about it i felt bad for him and it made a lot of sense to what we've seen leading up to this point and that's why it worked for me uh plus we got a little bit of uh, nostalgia nostalgia overload uh, with the 80s and how many references do you think, Bob, can they possibly throw into one episode? It, I mean, it should have been a drinking game. It probably should have been. In fact, if I knew it was going to be like that, I would have put something together for Patreon, for the Patreon subscribers. <laughs> I'm like, all of us, we need to watch this live and we all need to take a drink every time we can pick an 80s reference. Because that would have been fun. We also would have been drunk off our ass, but it would have been fun to yeah. videotape that. Next time, Bob, we have the insight into a if we have the insight into an episode that's gonna be like this, uh-huh. We have to do that. So keep your ears open. Do our mystery science three thousand yeah. style. Yeah, that'd be fun. Just us getting drunk. Yeah. Most definitely. That'd be really cool. So the nostalgia. I mean, we have an Easter egg list that we're gonna go over at the end of the show uh, packed with the plethora of eighties references that they laid on us this week. Some of them I picked, I would have to say at least 90%. There was a few that I think this website that posted this list, I think they're stretching a bit uh, on a few of them. One of those. Yeah. It, but the obvious ones, of course, back to the future ET. I mean, those are the, the, the ones, the glaring ones. So we're going to break that down. Uh, we're also going to discuss, is nostalgia overrated? Okay, we're also going to talk about that during the second half as well. Because nostalgia is great. It's, it is a great gimmick to get viewers excited. Everybody likes to feel like they're in on the joke. The, the member berries. The member berries, exactly. But how much is too much? And we can reference other TV shows like... Stranger Things that their entire show is pretty much built on nostalgia and there's very little originality to the actual show itself and it works for that show but does it work for other shows so we're going to break that down as well and the Stein element Bob I think everyone had an inkling that he would be 
leaving the show because of the goddamn social media and their non-secrets and the bloggers <laughs> and, and producers that Gotta let out first. their secrets. Yeah, and Deadline Hollywood that's posting the news that Victor Garber will be leaving the show. So all of us have been waiting for that moment, I think, that since the season started where we would start seeing that foreshadowing. Yep. And it started immediately in the very first episode. Um, but it definitely came to a head this week. And I think we can kind of pinpoint what's going to be that catalyst that has him saying toodles. But will he have a happy ending? Will he have a happy ending? We're going to get into that as well. I think that's another really, um, I want to say a highlight moment for me as well this week is the, I'm an intimate guy. You know, Bob, I if you notice when you do shows with me, I'm very into the, the things that really create the character. Yeah. How do we understand these individuals that we watch week in, week out? And a question for you. Okay. The Dominators. What's the deal with them this year? Are there any plans that have been leaked on social media? Are we just using them now as kind of like Monster of the Week villains? Or is there a larger story at work? I don't think there's a larger story. I The only thing that has come up was after the end of last season. It was one of the showrunners. I don't know if it was Winnie Miracle or one of them came back and said that the, that would not be the last you see of the Dominators. Okay. So, I mean, I think they're just kind of using it as a throwback crutch. Okay. You know, we've already developed what they look like. We don't have to do new CGI for them. They've already been created. Let's just use what we got. So, yeah. Well, how do you feel about that? Like, the Dominators are very – well, first off, the way they promoted the crossover last year, it was a an epic way to promote because – there wasn't a fan out there that wasn't excited and giddy as hell that the Dominators were going to be introduced. Yeah. I was one of them. The Dominators are awesome. Yeah. But do we want to turn them into a monster of a week? Do we want to turn them into that monster of the week element to where they lose their fangs? You know, when you see something too much, they're no longer intimidating. They're no longer a threat. Yeah, and they've they made it into something cute and lovable. Right. Is that do you think it's way too soon to do something like that for for a show like this, specifically uh, the Dominators that are I mean, that name is just relentless. Yeah. And if you know anything about their comic lore, I mean, they are effing relentless. Yes. Um it, it's weird because Supergirl handled them a little bit different. Yeah. You know, the where they still had, you know, they were coming, you know, when they've appeared there, they were That's coming right. to take over. You know, they were doing things there. This kind of softened them up a little bit to where you're just like, oh, it's a it's an alien looking for its baby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I think the only issue I had with what happened this week was the fact that we will probably get into it a little later. But mm -hmm. Ray should remember yeah. a lot more than he's actually remembered if you kind of yeah. grew up with a Dominator. Yeah. Well, that's the time travel. I, I, I've learned to. <laughs> Throw I've learned, that, I've learned with these away. shows that you got to, unfortunately, you have to kind of turn the logic off in your head. I always go with the whole thing where Barry Allen couldn't run in his suit. You know, his clothes would burn yeah. off and now yeah. he can run in anything. Are you trying to get me mad right now? No. <laughs> because I, it's, I, try, I try so hard to turn that side of my head off, my brain, just so that I don't have to like, ask those types of questions. Stop, stop introducing things that people can question. I, yeah, or just stay consistent because I think that's my only problem. Uh, you should have a whiteboard that these are the rules of yeah. time travel. Did, yeah. our, did our script follow these four rules that we've established in these three years? Yeah. Yes or no? Exactly. 
A um, little bit of news, Bob, before we move into our first break and, we, and when we get into the, the thick of it with the episode, and it's actually coming from the Constantine front here. Team Constantine, according to comicbooked.com, I believe, Legends of Tomorrow teases Constantine's arrival with a perfect strip script cover. Not a perfect strip. That would be pretty cool. Just a red tie, nothing else. Yeah. Cigarette and tie. That's sexy. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right. So it was confirmed last month that Matt Ryan's fan favorite occult detective John Constantine will return to the CW in live action for a two episode arc in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. That's what I'm talking about, Bob. A two episode arc. I we need that for a character like this. You cannot just. Br- I I personally think there needs to be a four episode arc. However, we're also dealing with a show that only has 16 episodes. So I understand if they, if they don't want to deviate too much. Yeah. However, two-episode arc, I'll take it. I hope it's a true two-episode arc because they've lied to us before. Yeah, where he's introduced at the very end. He's all, hello, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Flash you know, has he, done that. Supergirl's done that in their crossovers where it's like, oh, wait, that, that doesn't count. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't count. Yeah, that's an appearance. That's yeah. not an episode. It's a cameo. Yeah. 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 You know, if if if... Whatever they consider the first part is just him in a dark room and the cigarette lights. <laughs> and that's all we see. I'm just be like, this is stupid. Yeah. I mean, I'll get excited beyond, yeah. you know, beyond the point of ret- no return, but at the same time, I'll also be upset when it's over. Yeah. So the article goes on to say that now, as we continue to inch closer to two of his episodes, uh, executive producer Mark Guggenheim has provided fans with a first look at the appropriately on-brand cover page of the script from episode 10, titled Daddy Darkest. Oh, that's good. Well, the funny thing is, all I'm looking at is like, oh, cool, we're going to get Damien Dark and John Constantine. Yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't mention that part. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Now, the image shows what would otherwise be an ordinary script cover bearing the show's logo and some other episodes' technical details. However, the background includes a red necktie and a lit cigarette. Signature items belonging to DC's comics, chain-smoking, con-man magician. Oh, they didn't put bisexual in there? No. They were using that term a lot. I know, because it's, it's the buzzword. You know, it's like, oh, bisexual. Mm. Throw that in there, because that's going to get <laughs> Is us that some why it's, it's sweeping our network? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's, I think that's the biggest takeaway for a lot of fans of Constantine is that cigarette on the tie. Yeah. Um, as we know, NBC decided to just completely just get rid of that element because of being family friendly and smoking is naughty. Uh, of course we have to pretend that the real world doesn't exist apparently. <laughs> and people don't smoke even though they do. So that was. Believe something. in aliens. <laughs> Believe in superheroes. Yeah. But no, please. <laughs> no smoking. No smoking. I hope Firestorm lights a cigarette at least once. Oh, man, that would be good. <laughs> that has to happen, Bob. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to be disappointed. Oh, you need to tweet that out ASAP. <laughs> you need to tweet that to them so that they steal your idea because it needs to be done. I don't even care if you get credit. We just need to see that because yeah. that would be just – you imagine – Him what, looking for a light, type tapping of, for a lighter and What then... type of Tarantino-esque scene that would be? <laughs> if they do it right with the soundtrack that Legends already has? Yeah. Oh, that would be just a killer scene, man. So that's pretty much the excitement. Uh, this, most of the excitement centered around that cigarette. Obviously, John Constantine, and then everyone's eyes went to that cigarette because 
I know it sounds silly for non-Constantine fans, but that cigarette is is him. Like that's what I mean. That that has been so tied so heavily into some of his stories, uh, the smoking aspect of his character. That for them just to have gotten rid of it during his run on NBC was just kind of silly. It didn't make a lot of sense, and it kind of irked a lot of the uh, Constantine fans as well. So according to this article, we have a little bit more information, Bob. Okay. Uh, shortly after the announcement of Constantine's impending return to live action, executive producer Phil Klemmer revealed details about the character's arc, noting that the narrative takes place chronologically after his appearance in Arrow Season 4, in which Oliver called upon Constantine to restore store the soul of Sarah Lance. Now, a few things that... I'm confused about number one. We already know Damien Dark's going to be in this arc as well. Okay. Number two, we know Damien Dark is running around during season four of Arrow, but we were told we were going to see a modern Damien Dark. Correct. In legends this year. Okay. So I don't know if I would call it modern because I've they said post death. Okay. So this is going to be interesting because I've seen him put on like this weird wig you know, through his social media as being dark. So it made me think that it was some kind of past version of himself. Huh. Maybe, maybe uh, the information we had previously was just kind of misdirection. Yeah. Perhaps. Either way, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and how the time travel element is going to work. Because now are they going to time travel to this time period? And Sarah is going to see herself or is it actually going to take place in that time period? Because I, I can only, I can only, I can, I it, mean, my mind immediately goes to they're going to time travel back to that time, right? You think? I mean, how else is it going to work? I, I don't know. It, it, this is, it's one of those things that I don't know if they just pick them up on the ship and take them away, you know, and to try to, because they need them to do right. that exorcism somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, or just dark magic shit. I mean, they're already dealing with some heavy dark magic since season one. So maybe finally, I mean, honestly, it would have made more sense if they brought him back last year with yeah. the Spear of Destiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is full on Constantine type magic. So it's going to be interesting to say. And I'm kind of glad we don't have all the answers. Yeah, for oh, once. yeah, definitely. And it looks like it probably will be the the comeback episode for after the winter break. Yeah. So, good. So they're putting some hype on it and, some, and the emphasis on it. So well, that's Hopefully good. they put the hype on it. Yeah. Hopefully there's enough hype and enthusiasm after the episode airs as well that he comes back for maybe the fourth season as a regular. That would be pretty damn cool. Yes, that would be that would be what we would need, I yeah. guess. I mean, I mean It would definitely change the dynamic of the Legends crew cuz he is very different. He's a confident individual. He doesn't necessarily fit into he does have his demons. And he's arrogant, and much of his arrogance has to do with insecurity as well. But he's also very, very different. And his problems are just, it's like night and day with them. So who knows? Maybe it would, like, bring new life to the show. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Bob, we're going to go to a very quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump into the episode. Trying to listen to this guy. He gives a hell of a speech. DC on CW. We'll be right back. The Rain Man. 
Go ahead, Andrew. Minister Kevin Swanson, who holds notoriously homophobic views, said Houston had sinned by having a very, very aggressively pro-homosexual mayor. Unless Houston repents, unless New Orleans repents, they will all likewise perish. He told his radio show. How does he get a radio show? That is the message that Lord Jesus Christ is sending. No, it's not. Right now to America. (laughs) This comments come days after Christian radio personality Rick Wiles linked Houston's progressive attitudes with the storm as well. Okay, so gay people have magical powers. They're basically Aquaman. They can control the weather and the Why sea life. Why would you want to be their friend then? Yeah, exactly. I wish I was gay. If I can have magical powers, I would go down on a dude. Like, hey, listen, go down on a dude, and you can now command the weather. I'm like, all right. Sure. Point me to the nearest dick, please. <laughs> I thought I had to get bit by a spider, but apparently I had to get bit by yeah, some fashion That's Satan. my origin story. My origin story is to get plowed in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open Sesame! Variations in Trek. Appetites have changed drastically, David. What worked on TV then will not work now, despite what people think they want. So the writers of Discovery are left juggling. How do we make this series be something similar, but also fit the times that we are in? How do we pair this trek, David? How do we pair this trek with the palette of modern audiences? And I give you this week's episode. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Can I get a round of applause? <laughs> Come on, David. Applause. 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 Pass the Romulan ale <laughs> and the hot Vulcan women. Pen far for everybody. <laughs> Or pun far. Pun far for everyone. Pun far for everybody. Bring out Lorsa and Baytor. They were hot. <laughs> those, are the, those are the Klingon women as well. We're bringing all of them. We don't care. And Tilly, too, please. Bring her Tilly. out. Yes. I need to catch my breath. I was too excited. <laughs> Star Trek from the Holodeck. The Discovery Edition. Breaking down, analyzing, and discussing every episode of the new hit Trek series. Search for it on iTunes and Stitcher. Simply search from the holodeck. You can also find it on the Rain Man Digital app. Just search Rain Man Digital from the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Alright, get more DC on CW beamed directly into your ear holes by heading over to patreon.com slash Digital, where we do a gamut of additional shows including DC on CW presents where Bob takes the helm and discusses all types of DC related content and coming out this week is a special show all on what is it, Batman? Batman. Yeah. Our, our Kind of our preview show for Wayne Talk, which will be a bi-monthly show. So if you want to hear us discuss Batman, go out there and go to Patreon and join up the, I think it's the $5 tier. Yeah, $5. That's it. You can yep. hear more from me. Actually lead a show, not be in the background making smart-ass comments. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. Go there. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. 
You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to Rain Man Digital's DC on CW. Hello, welcome back to Legends of Tomorrow on DC on CW via Green Man Channel 001. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 4, titled Phone Home, directed by Kevin Mock, written by Matthew Mala. Synapsis is the Legends go back to 1988 to save Ray when they realize he'll die because of their breaking time. All right, so Ray has been killed and the team must go back in time. And from there, the writers take us on a fun ride throughout the 80s. Now, this is really what Phil Klemmer and the writing team does best. The fun, adventurous antics mixed with a few moments that matter to our Legends team. These are the episodes that really shine. Have you noticed that, Bob? Yes. The episodes where they can take a little bit of that humor, or a lot. And as long as they mix it with some very intimate moments, it always is a win for the episode. I can't point one episode, point to one episode in the last two and a half years that this show's been going on the air where they had the humor and they gave us some intimate moments where you're just like, that's where you're like, that episode sucked. You just don't say that. Yeah. You, you, you let me hearken back, Bob, to the season premiere. The season premiere was chalked. Full of humor and buffoonery, the first two episodes, but had zero intimate moments that mattered for our heroes. Do you see the difference there? Yeah, definitely. It was, again, I think they recovered last week and they continued down that path, you know, to getting back to what makes us look forward to watching this show. That it's not a dread of like, oh, I have to watch Legends, yeah. you know, or I hope they don't do something stupid on Legends that's going to upset me. Yeah. They're pretty good at, you know, again, mixing that humor in with the drama and advancing storylines through sarcasm, I guess. Yeah. And not a lot of shows can do that like Phil's doing with Legends. Um, I love Arrow. It's one of my, I think it is my favorite show on the cw when it comes to these the the dc content Mm -hmm. but i'm not big on the humor on that show they do it and i usually groan when it's it because it's just it it feels yeah it doesn't feel right i I don't feel like it belongs on that show uh when they originally cast those individuals that were on that show it wasn't going to even be a funny show it was a very dark very different show than it ended up ended up evolving to into now that we're in the sixth season, and I never really like it. Not that they don't have good comedic timing. I just don't feel like it fits the material of 
of Arrow and what they kind of set up so far up to this point. However, they they have done it more over the last couple years, and I just don't feel like it works like it does on Legends. I think Legends was built on that, and I think that's why it works so well, especially because you have these characters that are just like, it's a gamut of like, misfits and weirdos and and strange and strange people that all have to work together so it just works i think it works in legends because you feel like you could be part of that group yeah like regular regular joes yes it it isn't a you know a a rich kid that somehow got lost on an island i can be that yeah okay yeah buff we're doing like pull-ups you get the salmon ladder in here in the studio oh i'm gonna do it i'm gonna bring that ladder in here and do it while you and lauren are doing supergirl Okay. What you guys are doing, not doing Supergirl. I mean, that'd be weird, but I mean, do, doing the show. I'm just going to get there, stand, put it right there where the camera's at. Uh-huh. Just start doing pull ups right in front of Lauren. Oh, yeah. See if I get the same reaction that uh, Oliver gets when Felicity uh, watches him. Do you let think, me, do you let, think let me know might? how that works. Is that a Patreon tier? <laughs> pull up mic? No, but it's a, probably a sexual harassment suit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like I was saying, I think you could f- see yourself in Legends, or I feel like Legends would be something that you know, I relate with because that's how we are, even in the studio with each other. It's we sit there and joke. We might have serious conversations every once in a while, but 90 percent of the time we're just cracking on each other. Right. Yeah. That's a solid point. That does make a lot of sense. Um, But yeah, the, I, the fun, the fun has to be the focus of the show. I mean, I, I don't feel like an, a show like this would work any other way. It's been it's been built as that fun roller coaster ride. And then they give us those intimate moments to kind of remind us that we are watching a TV show about individuals who are flawed as well. Yeah. And they laugh off. That's kind of the charm of the show. The fact that pretty much all the characters, except maybe for Stein, they kind of laugh off danger. They laugh off their own insecurities. They laugh off uh, almost all of their problems. They laugh off the fact that they almost destroyed reality. There's an Indiana yeah, Jones, <laughs> there's an Indiana Jones serial. I don't know if you know, familiar with the serials of like the, you know, Flash Gordon and all those old school serials, what Indiana Jones and Star Wars is based on. There's a, a satirical element to it and it goes hand in hand with many of these adventure type shows. I, you know, shrugging, you know, and getting punched in the face, but you still have that grin. It's very Indiana Jones-ish, and I think that's why this humor works so well on the Indiana show. Indiana Jones shooting the guy when he's, yeah. you, know, you know, just out of nowhere. He's yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. It yes. works. Um, And the personal story of Ray, again, was definitely the highlight for me this week. Setting aside the silly antics for a moment, uh, funny moments and nostalgic journey um, that we took down memory lane was was good. Um, but this episode had some very personal moments with Ray. As we were saying, uh, we get an inside look into Ray's issues, issues that really stemmed from his childhood. And when we pulled back that curtain and we realized that this Ray Palmer guy, who is a bit of a soft touch, and you can tell he's a sensitive dude. You can tell that since the very time, very first time he was introduced into Arrow, he was struggling with the death of his wife. And how does he move on from there? Uh, he wanted to be, do something bigger and better with his life. So it's a development we've seen and a growth that we've seen Ray deal with since the very since his very uh, introduction to the show. So now to see where this all stems from and yeah. how he was a very lonely kid who was uh, bullied relentlessly and yet he didn't even realize it. Like what type of like what type of psycho- psychology does that even involve where you block out? 
you actually block out the dark times to where you actually feel that your life was much better than it actually was. Did you start questioning things about like your past that you thought maybe like, did yeah. I block anything out like oh, this? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I wasn't as cool as I thought I was. Yeah. Maybe my penis isn't as big as I thought. Wow. <laughs> maybe maybe it's always been small. Maybe, it's not because the, I'm fatter. Maybe the snicker isn't like <laughs> a snicker of excitement. It's a snicker of like, <laughs> it's really small. <laughs> Is it Mickey Mouse? <laughs> yeah. Minnie Mouse. Come on. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, what the weird thing is we haven't seen Ray develop like this. You know, we only got that like kind of that brief intro. If you think we go back to like Mick and all that, we saw him go back to his childhood yeah. and deal with the fire and all that stuff that created yep. him. Um, that was another good episode. Yeah. Him. It, we yeah. saw Jax, you know, how he got injured with the football and struggling with just having his mom. And we never really got that from Ray. All we had with Ray was like, oh, he lost his wife and he wanted to do something better. But we never kind of. It's more of immediate. Yeah. We never got, yeah. you know, dug deep into that. Yeah. So it was good to see, like, especially with a character that we like. It's not. Right. We're, we're not dealing with like, oh, geez, why are they doing this about him? He sucks. Like hot girl and hot guy. Like, yes. Who gives a shit? I don't care how the cock people came around. <laughs> yeah. Kill but, him off earlier. <laughs> yeah. Rewrite this shit now. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, it, it was good to see this, especially, like I said, for a character that we've, we like a lot. Yep. I agree. Uh, and the parallels between the team building, that's something that I liked. And I thought it was a cl very clever, and I'm not trying to put down DC shows on CW, but I'm saying it's something very well thought out and clever, uh, for, um, Matthew Mala to draw those parallels between the team building at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah. And then, how you then had those very those moments in Ray's young personal life that were also very though th those there's they were moments where you had the overshare it was too much and talk about vulnerable because team building is all about allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to trust your teammates mm -hmm. and there's a sense of vulnerability there so talk about just a poetic way to just delve and dig in deeper into that whole team building exercise. I mean, they set it up and then they used it as a way to then contrast what you saw in his personal life and then also use it to develop his character that much more in a very personal, private, embarrassing way Yeah, where he was very vulnerable. So it was a great way to kind of build up on how the episode even opened up. And then by the time the episode ended, you had they did a great bookend where they had the team building moment once again with Zari and him, where she realized that uh, she learned a lot about Ray in a very short amount of time. And there was a, a connection there. Uh, there was chemistry. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying a sexual chemistry, but there was definitely a connection. I'm not there. Ryan. I, I get chemistry can happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> without fucking. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I feel definitely it was a it was. It was a really good way for the writers to connect these characters very fast and not only connect the characters together, but also connect the audience because last week I didn't give two shits about her character. She was annoying. I was like, can we get out, get, get her out of the ship, please? She was just, she just didn't, she came off as an outsider and maybe I'm just being overprotected of the legends crew. I don't know. However, the writers did their job this week and yeah. they made us care about her. And what's the best way for the writers, any writers, 
to make sure you care about a character is you give them a sense of empathy for another character that you already like. Yeah. And by utilizing that aspect or that little writing gimmick, they were able to get the audience invested into her character till we actually cared and said, wow, okay, she won me over because she isn't, you know, dismissive and arrogant. She actually cares about people and she cares about Ray. I mean, for her to sit there and witness firsthand his entire life as a young man, I mean, Jesus, I would be embarrassed. I'd be, I I'd be hiding in my room. Or in the one bathroom they have. I just stay locked up. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. It's it, It's got to be one of those things. Again, if you've built up some kind of, you know, image of yourself with the team or whatever goes on, it's like anything else. We We only know about each other what we're willing to tell. Yeah, and and it's not much for me. No, it's Secrets. really not. I mean, in, in general, for the network, it's not much. <laughs> we really know what we can kind of make jokes about, make jokes about or get out of people somehow. Right. So, uh, it, you know, I could only imagine going back and living somebody's past and knowing kind of like how Ryan or Lauren grew up and just being like, man, you guys act like you had it shitty. This is pretty nice. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. And now I think another highlight for me this week was Nate. Even though there wasn't any intimate moments, leave it to <laughs> Nate to be the nerd that we can all relate to when it comes to his uh, his moments of pop culture cred. Because every episode, he just we just love him more because he flexes his pop culture knowledge, uh, and he's just so comical and funny. He definitely owned this episode when it came when it comes to the humor. Yeah, you you. They give it uh, the pop culture thing. You, rem- you remember he's a historian. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, basic nerd stuff or, you know, not nerd stuff, but, you know what basic I mean? Basic knowledge, yeah. Knowledge. It's, it's going into, like, the pop culture thing and knowing that those random useless knowledge facts and, yeah. and, and using it, again, like you said, for humor because he's always one of those people that you go and you're like, what smart-ass thing is he going to say or what yep. is he going to do that's going to make me kind of like go, huh. Yeah. Yes. I mean, works. I wasn't. I don't think I've ever really laughed out loud while I was watching Legends. I mean, I chuckle. I'm like, yeah, I think in my mind, yeah, it's pretty funny. But I actually laughed out loud at various moments through this episode with when Nate was involved. Like, and the whole entire thing of him trying to, obviously trying to get Amaya to be jealous, and he's just being kind of a, a, a douchebag and checking out Palmer's mom, which that just makes it funny. Whenever you, like, think your friend's mom is hot that just is just gold yeah mom or sister or anybody like yeah. just to make the other person feel uncomfortable right we've all done that be like dude you know how hot your sister is <laughs> yeah so it's funny it works um i mean the part where he opens the door and they're pretending they're you know pest control and the first thing he says is Eric Cougar on the loose and i'm just <laughs> like I, dude i lost it i rewilded it i'm like that's fu- that's fucking funny yeah yeah, Do you good. wonder if that's written that way or do you think they improv? I don't know. It's hard to say because I know some actors kind of just cheat and they don't use a script once they kind of have the like, general general idea of what they're going to do. But it also depends on the director and the actual showrunner. Sometimes they're very open with ad-libbing uh, and then sometimes they're like, listen, you stick to the script. This is what yeah, this I wrote it this way for yeah. a reason. Script Nazis. Most actors hate script Nazis, but then there's actors who need it because they are they're not off the cuff type actors. They're not into improvising or or ad libbing, so they need it. 
So it really just depends on the on the dynamic and the chemistry on the set, really. I would uh I would love to see like a joke reel of him just leaning against the door and yeah. be like, uh, I'm looking for a beaver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just all kinds of just any kind of term that they could oh, use man. for a, you know, a woman and him just coming in there. But the, the cougar thing was fucking yeah. funny as hell. It really was. It was good. And uh, it just makes me want and I'm not much I'm not into shipping like like um, Ryan is where you want everyone to hook up. Yeah. However, it just made me really like Nate and Amaya even more than last year together. Cause uh-huh. usually I'm not a fan of relationships. And, and sometimes when you break them up, it because it becomes drama for drama's sake. And you're just like, God, ah, this is not even necessary. However, what they do with them, I really like it. I think it works. It's realistic. Their relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not the usual immature relationships that we get on the CW. It actually is adult relationship. That's kind of, steeped in reality like listen this relationship's great i like you but guess what we're trying to save the world yeah it's not fractioning the group you know yeah it, it's it's again like you said it's more adult than we've ever handled where we're just like somebody go away we're sick of this shit right no it, i like seeing them together on screen and anytime the writers put them together it always works out for the good of the story yeah um the next part bob is probably one of those uh moments that i think many of us saw coming and it was the Stein and Jax moment. Uh, and unfortunately, there's almost zero mystery here. We already know Victor Garber. That's his name, right? Victor yes. Garber. Yeah, we already know Victor Garber will be leaving the show um, due to social media and blogs posting the latest television news. So the question is, because we already know he's leaving. The question is, how will this go down? That's the question. Where will there be a danger to the separation? Because uh, that was something that they revealed this week towards the end of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, where Jax felt sympathy or he was empathetic to um, to Stein's feelings and realized like this guy is only on board because of me. Yeah, and he feels guilty that he drugged him. And that and forced him to be a part of this group. And now he wants to be the one to leave to be with his family. And I like that Jax can also um, share and not be selfish as well and share in um, the goodwill that they've kind of created together as a team, as partners. Uh, And uh, it shows how far they've come uh, because we already know they argued a lot. They fought a lot. They had many problems and issues with each other. Um, and this moment was really the, a telling, very telling for where their relationship's at. The fact that both of them are willing to be selfless for each other. It, it was such a good moment in the in this week's episode. And Jax, of course, revealing that he's going to try to separate the Firestorm Matrix. Is that the correct yes, terminology? Yes, sir. That is correct. First off, we already know there's tons of danger that comes with that. We saw that in Flash, where both these characters got their start. There's a danger when you're not quite qualified to mess with it. And there's a danger when the other person doesn't have the other half. Yes. So how is this going to go down? Are we going to get a replacement Stein? Are we going to get somebody else that we're going to pass the Firestorm Matrix to? Because the, the more who, who is it connected to? Is Jax the one that can leave and be okay without it? And Stein's the one that they, needs I think to, they, I think they've stabilized it to where they both can be okay without it, but... Um, ever? Yes. I thought they have to meet. What? They have to meet from time to time, right? And connect. 
Uh, I don't think that is a thing anymore. Are you positive? Yeah, because remember Ronnie died for a while. And I think they fixed that when they found Jax. Okay, so they don't they can be completely separate then? Uh-huh. Okay, so the only problem then is you can't become Firestorm. Okay, so that's the only real issue there. Yeah. So how do you see this going down, Bob? I know you always have theories. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think I think Lauren came up with this or I did last week. Um Jax is going to die. Oh, really? They said character, uh, a main character is going to die. And you don't think it's going to be Stein himself? I don't think it'll be Stein. I think Stein will end up leaving the ship because Jax dies. Yeah. And it, it I think they're creating a swerve type thing to mm. where they're trying to separate this matrix so Jax can do it on himself. I could almost see him sacrificing himself for the good of the team now. Yeah. You know, after separating and then Stein going, well, see, you know, now he feels bad. He can't be around. He needs to leave. Yeah. And that way they get him off the show. I mean, because I just don't see them introducing somebody else into the, the dynamic of the show. Yeah. It'd be kind of weird to have a replacement Stein. Yes. And, and the only way, like, I know it sounds like Jax wants to keep the, the Firestorm Matrix, but I could also see him because they've done more of the, I don't know if it's budget cutting or whatever they're doing, that he's done more of the engineering right. than anything on the show lately. You know, you don't see him very much do the firestorm and fly around. Yeah. Um. So I could almost see him going that route to where if they do separate him and he can't be that, he could just be the engineer on the ship. Yeah, I could see that. But whatever happens... It feels right for Stein to leave. Not because I don't like him. It's actually because I actually do like him. Despite the fact that I think there's been moments, I think both of us can agree that he becomes a little bit annoying because he's very dismissive and arrogant. Yeah. Um, But he's a character that I feel has fully evolved. And there's a sense of resolve in his character as well. He's definitely a changed man. And I think for the better, he has lost much of his arrogance and he's lost much of his demissive demeanor mm-hmm. he he doesn't really look down upon the rest of the group like yeah. he used to yeah because that, that was the the most annoying thing about him the whole first season yeah and i understand why they're doing it they're trying to show these character flaws and how they deal with them and how they interact and the fact that they have completely changed them into somebody who's more supportive he's a part of the team he views for the most part he except maybe for rory he yeah. he, he views most of them as equals um, he's had a great character arc. Mm-hmm. And I would even say maybe the best character arc out of all of our current Legends characters. His is the most complete. And when you have such an arc that's very noticeable and you see where he's changed and how it's happened, yeah, you get rid of those characters. That's what any good writer should do. Yeah, because there's nothing else they could do with him. Exactly. It's like Daryl Dixon in The Walking Dead after season five. You're like, you should have killed him. Carol after season six. You should have killed him because their arc was amazing. And now they're just a meandering mess. Yes. Don't don't let them fizzle. End out on top. Yeah. So this is a good move. I think it's smart. They and and Especially, like you said, he came in as like this arrogant, you know, I kidnapped Jax. I brought him on the ship. I'm only yeah. thinking about me to this guy who cares about Jax, came back with him, but also cares and loves his family and wants right. to go back and be with them. So yeah. it, it just, I don't think it could get any better for Stein to yeah. leave. Yeah. It's a great time for him to leave. And I, I would like for him to have a happy ending as a fan of his and, of course, a fan of the show. 
I think it would be a nice way to give him a reward for his sacrifices and what he's been through to have him have that happy ending. Yes. Let him go home to his daughter, his wife, because that's been part of his character arc. He was a lonely man who put most of his life into his work. Mm -hmm. His relationship wasn't as strong as it is now. He recognized that. And during the course of the last three years, he fixed it by cheating a bit, by, by, you know, changing his history or his past. Yeah. But he did the work to get there. And now he's managed to get his life in a really nice area. And now I think he sh he deserves to enjoy the effort he put in. Yeah, he did the work. Time to retire. Yeah. So it's a perfect time for him to go out. Yeah, I'm not, not hating on him leaving. Yeah. I just wish it would have, again, we're not shocked by anything anymore. Unfortunately. It, it's yeah. like, I, I'm, you know, Thor comes out in 10 minutes, whatever. I'm going to know what happens with <laughs> Thor, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a sad state, but it, it's one of those things. It that, is what it is, right? Yep. We yeah. just deal with it. Now, the VFX this week was solid. And typically it is pretty solid for this show. Uh, sometimes you get a shot that's kind of weak and you're left scratching your head. Ooh, that was not very good. Um, and I'm sure the budget skyrockets with these types of episodes. Uh, for the most part, if my data is correct, the average budget for most of the CW shows, no matter what they have in it, is around 2.5 to 3 million for per episode for 22 episodes. So I'm not saying they don't skyrocket to maybe five or six for one episode, but they're going to have to, you know, what's that saying? Rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. They may take it from one episode and put it into the other. So the fact that they're, they're able to stretch 2.5, three million dollars into certain scenes and legends, especially a show that is um, very VFX heavy. They do a pretty good job. And the, the dominator, looked great there was a few scenes where that kind of looked eh but the rendering uh specifically in the scenes that are in the dark look very good yes and i'm not saying they should hide it i'm just saying the way it, re it renders out and the reflection of the light it's really good uh specifically when the little the little do dominator what are we going to call it? baby dominator i think they called him what gumball yeah gumball uh, when when he was doing that little E.T. Homo, uh, uh, homage to E.T., he, it looked great mm -hmm. in that closet. And then when he came out into the light, you're like, eh, it's not so good. But when he was in the closet, it, it I mean, I was actually pretty amazed with with the amount of detail that you could see in his face. Yeah. And that's something rare in a CW show for you to you know scratch your head and say, wow, how the fuck did they do that? So my hat's off to the VFX team this week for sure. Uh, major props also to the production designer and the art department um, with a show like this. They're con I'm sure they're consistently having a heavy, heavy workload. You're dealing with time travel elements. They got to build those sets. They have a moving set as well. They're always in some place different. Yes, they have their standing set, which is the Wave Rider. Yeah. But then every week they're going to a new time period and got to find new vehicles, got a new wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. And you might be able to get away with mistakes that take place in like the medieval times and in the future. Obviously, that's a little easier. But when you're dealing with 1988, you're dealing with the 80s, you're dealing with a time period that a lot of people are obsessed with. It has for some reason, believe me, I lived in the 80s <laughs> uh, for some reason, uh, many of the young, the youngins. 
Yeah, I'm going to make myself feel <laughs> oh my really, gosh. yeah, the youngest. I'm not that old. Jesus okay, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the, the younger folks, I, I just keep making it sound worse. Some of the younger people, there I we go. <laughs> some of the younger people um, seem to have this infatuation with the 80s as if it was a great decade. Yeah, uh, uh, dope. That whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kid's obsessed with the 80s. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. However, because of that, because there's so many people that are obsessed with the 80s, they got to make sure their shit is legit. They got to make sure their production design and the art de- department is on point. The right shoes, the right clothing, the right hairstyle, the right cars, especially when it comes to fashion, because that's what a lot of the people are obsessed with. Yes. The fashion and, of course, the pop culture elements, movies. They watch those movies on repeat, like, uh, was it Breakfast at Tiffany's and all these other ones? What's that one where they're in the library? Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. That's the one I was looking for. All the John Hughes films. Yeah. And this was basically a John Hughes film. Yeah, it was. So you have to take that into account and realize that you better get your shit together for this episode. You know, the only thing they were missing in this episode, as far as the 80s goes, is we needed the walking out of the pool with the the bikini on. (laughs) Nah, that they won't do that on CW. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. They're objectifying too much. <laughs> it's just too much. All right. So again, props, production design, as well as Art Tomorrow was on point. Now, Bob, we have a little bit of time. So okay. quickly, can you open up the Legends of Tomorrow 80s movie reference from Phone Home? These okay. are the Easter eggs. So just go through them briefly. I think for the most part, we got them. We saw them, but I also want to see how many the audience actually caught. So okay. go through them one by one and just name them out. Uh, E.T. Phone Home. Okay. So we we, we talked got about that, that one. Yep. yep. Where he, where the uh, bubble gum was in the closet, like E.T. was yep. hiding, hiding in the the stuffed animals. Back to the Future. That's with, very obvious. Yeah. Uh, Nate uh, waxing the DeLorean, looking like Biff Tannen with a tracksuit. That was good. That was a good scene. Uh, they said aliens with, uh, Ray's mom trying to hump Nate. That's the one that I kind of, um, I don't see that at all. I think they're trying to say she's popping out of his belly, like the aliens symbiote. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. I just actually binge watched all the alien movies back to back. And I don't know where that scene is that they're talking about they're saying the jumpsuits that they were wearing as animal control were a nod to ghostbusters eh, i don't i don't really i think that's reaching yeah i think that's reaching as well the, the wood panel van or uh station wagon for national lampoons that's also reaching see they're pulling at movies like oh we've seen this once in a this is probably like a 20 year old who wrote this blog and said oh i saw this once in national lampoon not knowing that everybody and their mother had a wood paneled station wagon it was the thing to have it it was the minivan yeah so that's also reaching as well uh they're saying cocoon when sarah is tied to the playground equipment i could agree with that one yeah most definitely especially the way it was lit and the way it looked yeah i'll buy that one uh flight of the navigator when basically the men in black are chasing kid ray through the school that was taken over Hmm. flight of the navigator I remember that one. I don't remember that one. Uh, but I would say that was more like E.T. than Fly the Navigator. Yeah, but, there's other movies that they've taken over gyms that yeah. I would give a nod to before Flight of the Navigators. Yeah. Uh, Legends in Costume. 
I have no idea. R- read that paragraph. What does that even mean? Legends like, in costume. All right. Like all good 80s movies, Phone Home wrapped up with a touching ending as Legends help Little Ray deal with some bullies on Halloween. As Little I, Ray's headed every out. Every time I hear, hear Little Ray, I think, think of a penis. penis. Yeah. <laughs> Were you two when you're watching yes. it? I wanted them to make a penis joke so fucking bad. Did you want them to do it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did it. Now, see, Rory could have been the one to do it. Yeah. It would have been perfect. Is this the first time you played with Little Ray? <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> just, just something oh. weird like that. It just would have been just like, oh gosh. Oh, that would have been so good. But the uh, the legends are all in costume. Step up beside them, and they say that it is friends, and they think the costume is cool. Even Zarya is in costume, which is another nod to Secret of Ice's TV show from the seventies. I don't Interesting. know. I don't, I don't, I've never, have you heard of the ISIS, the secrets of ISIS? No, this huh. is again, it, it, it was something you think they're kind of reaching. Yes. I think they're reaching. So most of these are reaching. I would believe the cocoon one as the well Bif- as yeah, the back to the future. future's obvious. And then the ET one. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course they missed the most obvious and that was the, the ET the moon. over the moon. <laughs> How are you going to miss it? it the <laughs> funny <laughs> thing is it's the picture for the article. They didn't talk about it oh, at all. Wow. That was the most obvious moment of the entire thing. And I did like it. I, I at first I was, I groaned mm-hmm. when they did that. I was like, Oh, and then when it was happening, I got swept up, and I and I noticed I had a smile on my face. I'm like, oh god damn it, I'm smiling right now. What's like, happening? Son of a bitch, it worked. I'm not supposed to like shit like this. <laughs> I felt ashamed of myself, but it was a good scene. They yeah. did they did it well. So my hats off. I wonder if they had to pay Amblin and Steven Spielberg like millions of dollars for that. <laughs> Do you think it's one of those? Uh, didn't they have Spielberg on? They no, did. they had the George Lucas. George Lucas, that's and right. And George Lucas gave him permission to use a bunch of the Star Wars references. Yeah, so they probably got permission as well. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. As long as you're not, yeah, it's not penis man running across <laughs> them or something weird. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's discussion on Legends of Tomorrow. That does conclude our discussion. However, if you want more, you need more DC on CW, please head over to patreon.com slash Digital. Subscribe. $5 or more a month gets you more DC on CW discussions every month is, is a new gamut of ideas for the shows. Plus you are, you gain access to hours of additional shows as well. So thank you, Bob. Thank you. And thank everybody else. Good night. Not in the mood for chit chat. Gotcha. Ready when you are. 